Welcome to the Radiant Podcast. We are so glad you joined us today. This podcast features messages, interviews, and discussions from Radiant Church located in Seneca, South Carolina. For more information about Radiant, visit RadiantChurchSC.com. Here's today's episode. Welcome to Radiant Church. My name is Andrew. I'm the lead pastor. We're so glad you could join us today from wherever you're watching or listening from. If this is your first time joining us, hey, go to RadiantChurchSC.com and click I'm new. We fill out that short form online as a way of saying thank you. We're going to donate $5 to one of the nonprofits that's listed. One of the greatest joys, I think, of being the oldest brother is getting to beat the younger brothers at just about everything, right? I've got two younger brothers. One is 15 months younger than me, so we're actually kind of pretty even in most of our competitions. But the youngest one, he's six years behind me. And I'll be honest, like, man, we were brutal to him. Uh, He wanted to keep up with us in everything, especially in sports. So we let him, but we didn't really go easy on him. Like the the Bullard way is to win and destroy your opponent while being a good sport, of course, right? Uh, Second place is the first to lose. That that was our mantra. You might be different, but that's how we rolled as I was a kid growing up. Um, But as the youngest one got older, he got a lot better. And of course, now there's parity among all three of us. But like I was saying earlier, I want to take a little bit of credit. We did toughen him up, you know, like we we gave him stiff competition to build his character. I remember the first time he beat me at something and I was trying everything I could to prevent it short of cheating because I don't cheat. And the reason, of course, was like, you know, I, I had a strategy for winning, but I hadn't really thought about what do I do if I lose for the first time to him? You know, isn't that how we live? We have a strategy for winning. We have dreams and hopes and goals and we have plans, right, of how we're going to achieve them. But many of us, we don't have a strategy for losing. And that means we don't really have a strategy for the struggle. Do we know what we'll do when things don't go the way we planned them or or happen in the time frame we think they should happen? It's, it's really not if, but more like when we're going to struggle. In fact, Jesus tells his followers in John 16, he goes, here on earth, you're going to have a lot of trials and sorrows, a lot of struggles, right? But take heart because I have overcome the world. When you encounter the struggle, it takes a lot out of you. So much so that there are times where you just, you just want to quit. You ever had moments like that, you know, where you're physically present, but just not all there? Um, yeah, like, you know, what, we, we, we clock in, we take care of kids, uh, we do our job, we're physically present, but we're not like really present. And, and we do that because, you know, our passion's gone, because the struggle has a way of sucking the life out of you if you don't have a strategy for it. If you, if you don't have a plan, for how you're going to deal with it. Now, now get this, the struggle that we're talking about, it's really not actually out there. The struggle is actually within us. It's internal. When things don't go our way, we can start wondering, you know, okay, did did I miss God or not? Uh, Were we meant to walk the path that we're on? Uh, Maybe we should come up with uh, an exit strategy, right? Why? Because we prayed and and we fasted and we did all the spiritual things, but we still found ourselves in the struggle because the struggle isn't, again, out there. It's actually really in here. So over the next few weeks here at Radiant Church, we're going to talk about having a strategy for the struggle. And there 
there really isn't anyone better to learn from than a guy who lived thousands of years ago in the ancient Middle East named Joseph. Now Joseph's story is found near the end of the very first book of the Bible called Genesis, and his life epitomizes what it means to have a strategy for the struggle. I want to take you to Genesis chapter 41, verse 37. Joseph's suggestions were well received by Pharaoh and his officials. So Pharaoh asked his officials, can we find anyone else like this man so obviously filled with the Spirit of God? Then Pharaoh said to Joseph, since God has revealed the meaning of the dreams to you, clearly no one else is as intelligent or as wise as you are. You'll be in charge of my court and all my people will take orders from you and only I sitting on my throne will have a rank higher than yours. Now, if you've never heard the story before, you might be wondering, okay, Pastor, like, where, where's the struggle there? <laughs> well, this is where Joseph ends up. So you got a glimpse of it. Now let's explore over the next few weeks how he wound up in that predicament because Joseph wasn't just handed this dream job. He was the favorite of his father's 12 sons. His dad gave Joseph a special gift that comes to symbolize that favor. It's a coat. We don't know, you know, what kind of coat it was, if it had color designs, technicolor, like whatever, like it, it, but it was special because it stood out. And so around this time, he has a couple of dreams which show his family's bowing down to him in what can really only be interpreted as a position of authority or leadership. He makes the mistake of telling his brothers and the rest of his family these dreams. And it could have been innocence, but there's a lot of agreement among scholars that Joseph's dream telling was probably more out of arrogance than anything else. But either way, it comes back to bite him. So what happens is his father Jacob sends him to check on his 10 older brothers. There's another brother named Benjamin who's the youngest. He's not with these guys. And they're, they're caring for their large flocks of sheep that the family owns. And there's a high degree of animosity between the older brothers and Joseph. And when they see Joseph coming from a distance to check on them, they decide, you know what? We should get rid of this guy. He's annoyed us enough. Look at Genesis 37, verse 23. So when Joseph arrived, his brothers ripped off the beautiful robe that he was wearing. It's the robe of symbolism of favor, right? And they grabbed him and they threw him into the cistern. Now the cistern was empty and there was no water in it. A lot of emotions were flowing through Joseph in that empty, dark cistern. But the most damaging, I think, was the hurt that he experienced. One of the major struggles we face is the struggle of hurt. If you're Joseph, you're feeling betrayed, you're feeling abandoned, hurt, left in this pit by your own family. The struggle that hurt brings, man, it is a heavy struggle. I, I don't know what your hurt is today or, or what people have done to you or what has been said about you, but if you're experiencing hurt on any level in your life today, you've got to deal with it in a healthy manner. If you don't, hurt will progress and evolve and take you on this emotional death spiral, so to speak. When we, see, when we get hurt, our, our sensitivity, which kind of acts like a radar, it, it goes up. And if this hurt isn't dealt with, it, it leads to anger, which is really our way of expressing an unresolved hurt within us. Nine times out of ten, someone isn't angry for the reason they give. It actually normally goes back to an unresolved hurt they've been carrying around. And so when they, they, they become jaded and they become frustrated, they become easily offended at everything because they're super sensitive. That radar 
radar is up. If this anger remains unresolved, it'll progress and it will lead to bitterness. Now, Scripture talks about bitterness as having a root, which means two things. One, bitterness can grow deep and it can become a stronghold, right? That's the second thing. Bitterness robs you of your joy and immediately puts up a wall between you and the person you have bitterness towards. And it can lead to the final stage of unresolved hurt, a hardened heart. Anger and bitterness affect how we feel from being hurt, but the struggle of hurt also affects how we live. See, God wired us with passion, and when we're hurt, we lose our passion, which can then rob us of our purpose. But losing our passion goes further because it also affects our relationships, and it causes us to lose our compassion. God wired us with passion, but He also wired us to be compassionate, to love people. I can't be compassionate if I'm hurt and angry. And if I can't be compassionate, then it follows I really can't be gracious either. And when bitterness grows deep within me from my unresolved hurt, it destroys my ability to dispense grace to other people. You can't stay in a healthy relationship and not have grace. There's no forgiveness without it. In fact, one of the signs you know you've lost your grace is others tiptoeing all around you. They're afraid to say or do anything because they don't know if you're going to lash out at them or not. And what you've become at that point is a wounded animal. You know, when animals are hurt, they get defensive. Even if your intention is good and you're trying to help, that animal who might be loving and friendly before, it'll lash out at you because it's wounded. And when we have unresolved hurt, which festers into anger and grows into bitterness and produces a hardened heart, that's what we become. We lash out. We hurt the very people around us who care deeply for us and they want to heal us. It's really the unhealthiest place for us to be. And if we don't have a strategy for the struggle of our hearts, we're going to stay in our own version of Joseph's cistern. So what's our strategy for getting out? What do we do? We find ourselves in the struggle of hurt. But we learn to trust and submit to God. So our instinct when we're hurt is to, is to pull away, is to fight for control, is to hold on, let our voices be heard, to get bitter. But what gives us the most freedom and what has to be part of our strategy for the struggle is to trust and submit ourselves to the Lord. The struggle of hurt causes you to carry so many things that you shouldn't be carrying. If you want to overcome the struggle, you have to give up your right to stay hurt. I don't want to underplay this one because the reality is there are some people, maybe, maybe even some of you out there today, you just would rather hold on to your hurt than truly let it go. And the reason is it justifies your actions and your attitudes towards the people who harmed you. But you can't find healing until you finally decide to stop carrying that hurt around. You have to yield or submit yourself to God. How many of you guys really enjoy driving, you know, in these really <laughs> stupid roundabouts that keep popping up everywhere? Uh, I, I, I've learned that, you know, nobody knows how to drive in a roundabout. Well, I, I mean, I do. I know how to drive in a roundabout, but nobody else does, right? Like, no one knows when to yield and when to go, and they don't use their signal, and people nearly hit each other, like, all the time. And you have to know, like, how to drive in a roundabout, because you, you, you have to know who to yield to or surrender to. To first. In the struggle of hurt, we have to learn how and when to yield or surrender ourselves to God. 
learn when to trust and surrender your dreams and your family and your job. Everything, because you know, like they're, they're not yours anyway, right? Like God gave them to you. But most importantly, we trust and submit to God because as the Psalms say, the steps of the righteous are ordered by God. And if he's ordering our steps, leading us into a struggle, we're going to be okay with it because we trust him. But the steps of the greatest man to ever walk the planet led him to a place of pain and anguish and betrayal, to, to a cross. We can't be fooled into thinking that our steps won't lead us into a struggle. So the question is, why don't we trust God more often? And typically the reason is it comes down to control. Like every time I get into the car, I, I want to drive. Why? Because I want control. I want to know where I'm going. I want to pass grandma who shouldn't be driving. And if anything happens, I can at least say, oh, you know, it was my fault. I caused my own pain. All right. Are you kind of hearing me today? Like, because that's precisely why we don't yield control to God. We want to be the cause of our own victories and failures, don't we? We don't want to be the result of somebody else's mistakes. We don't want to be left a chance to be put in somebody else's hands, even if that somebody else is God himself. But you've got to yield and surrender if you want to overcome the struggle. So in Psalm 23, we see this progression. And no matter like what we encounter, we can trust God. The very first sentence reads this. The Lord is my shepherd, and I have all that I need. Boy, what, what a summation right there. You know, if I don't have something that I thought I needed, I really didn't need it in the first place. You know why? Because I have a shepherd who's making sure I don't lack for anything. So when I trust God, He takes care of my needs. Now, for time's sake, I'm not going to break down all of Psalm 23, but I do want to draw your attention to, to what God, who's our shepherd, leads us to. Look at verse number 4 of this famous psalm. Even when I walk through the darkest valley, I'll not be afraid, for you're close beside me. Your rod and your staff protect and comfort me. As we trust and submit to God. He's going to lead us through dark valleys. And that almost sounds reprehensible, right? Because like, why, why would a good God, a loving God, want to lead us through a dark valley? Why would he lead us, as the next verse says, verse 5, straight to our enemies, our place of struggle? Why, why would he do something like that? And I think there are multiple reasons he leads us to a place of struggle, but the bottom line is simply this, that if you're being led, your job is to what? to follow, right? To follow. The sheep don't argue with the shepherd. They follow him because they trust him, because he cares for them, because he protects them. And if God is leading me to a dark valley, to a place of struggle, I can trust he's going to be with me and care for me and protect me and get me through on the other side. But more than that, I can be confident that there's absolute victory for me. See, the feast prepared in the Psalm 23 in front of the enemies is not a dinner party, you know? It's a victory celebration. Psalm 23, 5 is a guarantee that if God leads you to a place of struggle, He ain't gonna just leave you there. He's gonna shape you and mold you and give you a victory that will impact your life. Now, just because you overcome the struggle and you have victory doesn't mean you're, you're not going to come out wounded. You're going to get hurt, as we talked about today, but you, you can't leave it unresolved. And the next verse says this. Look at verse number five, the last part of verse number five. You honor me by anointing my head with oil and my cup overflows. Now, why would a shepherd pour 
oil over his sheep. Well, oil was a healing agent. Sheep battle ticks and lice and flies and all the parasites that suck the life out of them. And the oil not only healed the sheep of their wounds caused by those parasites, it protected them from future attacks. In Scripture, oil is often used as a symbol for the power of God's Spirit. So when I trust and submit myself to God, He brings healing in in my struggle of hurt and He protects me. And because God always gives more than enough, my cup overflows. In my struggle of hurt, in the cistern, in the dark valley, there is a promise that if I can let go and lean into God the shepherd, I will lack for nothing. I can find a rest in him. I will have victory over the struggle and I will have more than enough of his spirit to heal and protect me. And the best part about this, it'll never end. Look at verse number six. Surely your goodness and unfailing love will pursue me all the days of my life, and I will live in the house of the Lord forever. So what if in the middle of the hurt, the valley, the broken dreams and doubts, you trusted the good shepherd to lead you? What if we stopped resisting God? What if we stopped trying to overcome the struggle ourselves and we started instead to trust God? What we find in Joseph's life, and it's full of struggle, as you'll see in the coming weeks, is that through the hurt and the pain and the struggle, God was writing a very powerful story of salvation and redemption, not just for Joseph, but for his entire family. For some of you today, you need to know that God will do the same for you and your story as well. If you're in the struggle of hurt, If you're in a pit or a valley, man, what's your strategy? Because anger is not a strategy. Bitterness is not a strategy. Avoiding people, pretending like nothing's ever happened, like finding ways to avenge your pain, those aren't strategies. What you really want is to get that passion back, is to love people again, to trust again. So here's your strategy for the struggle today. Start by trusting and submitting yourself to God. He can restore your passion your love and your grace, and He can lead you out of the valley and out of the pit. Let me pray for you today. Father, I pray for those who are watching and listening right now. Maybe they're carrying around deep hurts and pains. They're stuck in a pit and, and, and they're discouraged, man. Maybe, maybe they're angry. Maybe they're bitter. Maybe they already have a hardened heart. Lord, it's not too late for you to come in and bring healing. And so I just first want to pray for healing in the lives of those who, who are hurting today, who are battling wounds and, and are struggling with hurt. Would you heal them, God? Would you melt that heart of stone, Lord? Would you take that bitterness and uproot it from their lives? Lord, would you take that anger and, and instead give them joy and peace in, in, in its place? And I, I pray, Lord, you bring them to a place where they can fully submit and trust you. It's so hard to, to relinquish control because we, wanna, we want things to be in our own hands. We want to control our decisions and our life and, uh, and our destiny. But so often when we do that, we don't make things better. We make them worse. So Lord, I pray today that we relinquish control over to you, that we trust and submit to you. Father, remind us that when we're going through a dark valley, and we're encountering the struggle of hurt. You're not going to leave us where we're at. You've got a plan for us. You have a purpose for us. You're going to bring us through and bring us through to victory on the other side. Lord, thank you for what you're going to do in hearts and lives that, that, that are watching and listening here today and what you're going to do in the coming weeks as we walk through this teaching series. We love you. We praise you. And we ask this in your name. Amen. 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 
Thanks for listening. If you have any questions or would like to reach out to us, you can do so by emailing us at media at radiantchurchsc.com or visit one of our social accounts on Facebook, Instagram, or YouTube. If you like what you heard today, subscribe to our podcast so you don't miss any future episodes and give us a five-star rating on the podcast platform that you listen to. We hope you have an amazing rest of your day.